following is a message at Living Savior Church in Asheville and Hendersonville, North Carolina. To learn more, go to lsavior.org. The stats are in, and uh, the surveys and assessments of 2023 are all completed, or at least they should be. A couple weeks ago, I shared with people uh, Merriam-Webster's word of the year. The word was authentic, and how everybody is searching for something like that in, in the wake of culture and society and the effects around us. And there are other types of assessments of 2023 as well that will not surprise you. Whether it's a result of COVID and the search for things that COVID has removed from people, whether it's on account of technology and the fact that people live more autonomous lifestyles and disconnected uh, lifestyles more so than ever before, yes, those things are true, or whether it's on account of any, any other number of contributing factors, people are still searching for connection. I was reading a couple articles about these assessments of 2023, which were really just ways for sociologists to kind of riff on their analysis of society and culture as a whole here in America. And especially as we look into 2024, everybody without fail is saying that there is still a deep search for connection. And I think you would probably agree. People are looking for a way to fill that void as they go online and through social media or through any other platform. They're trying to find or fulfill this need that we are made for connection, but they're really not realizing it. In other words, that void is not being filled. There are people who also, through their work, through their circle of friends, or even maybe through their family, close or relatives, they're, they're not finding this deep sense of connection. In, in fact, you can easily read, if you don't know already, that there, especially among young males in America, it is, there is an epidemic of loneliness. That they don't have someone to go to, someone to talk to, someone to ask questions of. And, and of all of the things that people are still searching for that relate to connection, of course I'm going to say there is a spiritual component to this. Because I could even ask you, what are you still searching for in the realm of connection? You, you might be connected in a familial sense. You might have family connection. You might have an emotional connection. You might be connected to a, a spouse or to a significant other that you're dating. You, you might have connection with your kids or with your parents or with your siblings or a, a neighbor or a friend. But of all the ways that people are searching for connection, all the ways that you are searching for connection, do you, do you have it? Do you have it especially when it comes to the things, the questions that nag at you, that impact the way that you stand before God and the way that you view yourself eternally? That type of spiritual connection is altogether different. But of course, I would say as a pastor, it's altogether necessary. And it affects the way we are connected with everyone around us. So do you have it? Because there is a place, especially in a day like today, where you can look, where you can see that there is this, this connection that you have that doesn't just give you a sense of feeling, but it assigns a status to you that is not just significant to you and to me, but it is significant to God himself. And where can we look? Well, 
How about we start looking at where Jesus is this morning? We see Jesus go down into the River Jordan, and there he is baptized. And he isn't baptized because he needs his sin washed away. He is the sinless Son of God in the flesh, in the person of Jesus Christ. He is rather going into the waters of the River Jordan in order to begin his public ministry, to identify himself with all humanity because he is going to now launch onto the public scene and begin his work of saving us from our sins. He is identifying himself with us in order to save us for God. The Father speaks as heaven is open. The Spirit descends in the form of a dove. And almost unlike any other, any other time in Scripture, we have this visible and audible depiction of the triune God here as Jesus launches onto the scene. And you have to ask why. And the answer is for us. Because we who are lost unto ourselves need a God to descend from heaven to earth in order to save us for him. Here is where Jesus is connecting himself to us. And so what does this mean? That's what Romans chapter 6 is all about. Uh, the epistle, the letter to the Romans, as the Apostle Paul is writing this, he is writing to a large Jewish contingent and other believers as well, Gentile believers who are in Rome, and arguably the most logical book in all of the Bible, he has been laying the groundwork of how we are all, regardless of people, whether, whether or not they recognize it is beside the point, how we are all subject to the judgment of God, and therefore we need the grace of God that can only come from him. In, in Romans chapter 3, he says, All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption, the being bought back, the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. We needed this Christ Jesus to go in to the, that, those baptismal waters, not to wash his sins away, but to begin his work of washing our sins away. And Paul continues to to go on and say that this connection is therefore brought about through faith, a gift that God gives us by the power of the Holy Spirit. You could think of it as a, a dove descending, not just on a human being one point in time, but the Holy Spirit taking possession of our hearts. And he does that by the power of his word. And so though we, we were enemies, God has made us right. He reconciles us back to himself. And then now, since this gift is so freely given, Romans chapter 6, Paul is anticipating a question. So now, since we're saved and it's all grace, then it's all gravy, right? Grace leads to gravy. No, no, that's not what he's saying. He's anticipating that people will think that now that since we're saved by grace, our life is gravy, we can do whatever we want. Absolutely, absolutely not. In fact, since we've been saved and since God nailed our sins to the cross, and Jesus went to his death and suffered our eternal punishment for it, then the opposite reaction would be that we can do whatever we want. Rather, the reaction should be that we would now live for him in this new life, this new status. In fact, he says, you were buried with him. You, were, you died with him. Everything that was wrong about your life went to that cross and down into that grave. So then why would you want anything to do with it? Think about it this way. This is a terrible analogy, by the way. I mean, in, in terms of how heavy it is. But, but it makes the same point. I'm just preparing you. I, imagine that you did something that caused someone to die. I know it's serious, but think about that. You have to think about that. Imagine that you did something that caused someone to die. 
That's something that you were doing. If you ever did that again, you would never be able to not think. You would always think, man, this is that thing that caused that person to die. So let's say, heaven forbid, truly heaven forbid, this is necessary, heaven forbid, you're driving down this random road that you typically don't drive down. And suddenly by freak accident, not by any cause of your own, someone jumped out in front of you, you never saw it coming, and they died. How awful would that be? Would you ever want to drive down that road again? Would you ever drive down that road and not think about that terrible tragedy? Of course you would. That's what happened, though. When Jesus went to the cross, what was he taking? In fact, what caused Jesus to go to the cross? Two chapters prior in Romans chapter 4, it says Jesus was delivered over to death because of our sin. Our sin caused Jesus' death. But he didn't just die in order to lay the most massive eternal guilt trip upon us. He died in order to remove the guilt from us. And since he died, then why? He, Paul knows. Well, we have all this grace and we can do whatever we want. He says, by no means. We died to sin. Because in Christ, he took everything that was wrong that caused his death to begin with, and he went to the cross and he died so that when he declared it finished, it was so. So then why would we want to go back to that? We wouldn't. That's the point that Paul is making. But there's more. You see, the way that we died to sin and the way that we are connected to Christ, he says, we were buried with him. We died to sin. We were therefore crucified with Christ that, that everything that had to do with our sin and our eternal judgment, it came through baptism. Your connection to God cannot get any closer than what happened to you in the waters of baptism. Jesus, who went into the River Jordan, identifies himself with us in order to save us from all of our sins. And so at your baptism... The connection cannot be any closer to the death of Christ and all that that means for you. So that when you view all that Jesus has done for you in the waters of your baptism, how he connected himself to you in the waters of his own baptism, then the forgiveness and the cleansing that happened on account of Christ, it cannot matter any more significantly. Look at what he says. By no means we are those who have died to sin. How can we live, it, live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that, or excuse me, in order, uh, baptized into his death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. We were buried with him. We were baptized into his death. Think of it this way. When something or someone dies, there is this off feeling that exists in all of us. I think of a conversation I had with somebody recently who was missing a, a, a grandparent who had just died. And when a grandparent dies and when a parent dies, it has a significant effect on you because you, kinda, you see this, these generations before you that have always been there, you've always known them, and then they, they die and then you kind of realize your own mortality in a way because a generation is now gone, or, or part of that generation. 
And as I was talking with that person, I said, yeah, all of my, all of my grandparents are gone. One of my parents, my dad, has passed away. And when you, when you think about it that way, you see yourself becoming that older generation as those generations before you pass away, and then you start looking differently at new generations too. It is a wrestling with one's own mortality. And then there comes the question, what's the answer to that? That there has to be some, some answer to that. And we, we have to find some type of, of connection as the people we are connected to pass on and we find ourselves in this driftless sea of a life that is fleeting and will only end up in death. Ah, but there comes our baptism. Just as in our baptism, our sin was washed away, so also in our baptism, we are given this new life, a life that lives forever, but also this life of meaning and purpose and even power. We died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Just as the wages of sin is death, the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's Romans 6. And now here, in the beginning of Romans 6, he's making clear that the way, the connection that is made... The link that happened, that, that, that makes that true, is in the waters of our baptism. So just as the connection of baptism cannot get any closer, then also the connection, then in Jesus' death, so also the connection for eternal life cannot become more meaningful than in our baptisms as well. Look, look back at what he says. If we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. There's this special power that you and I have as we look at ourselves every single day. In a, in a context, culturally speaking, in a society, we see a whole host of people who are lost and who are lonely. People ha who have no true meaning or power in their life. Not so with you. Not so with me. For we see our lives entirely different and not just through our eyeballs and our brains, but through our faith in our heart because God has given us a new connection, a new identity in the waters of our baptism. He has declared us his own children. Just as the father spoke over his son, so also in your baptism, he claims you as his own child. Just as Jesus went into that water and then saved you from your sin, and now we have, there's power in Christ, so too in your baptism, you get all the benefits that Christ won for you. God says so himself. Just as the Spirit descended on Jesus, so also in your heart, yes, your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, Scripture says. And so when you look at the baptismal font, when you view your baptismal certificate, when you think upon that day or time, whether you remember it because you were, you were old enough to remember or you were an infant, it doesn't depend upon your memory or your power or your will. It is God's word alone. And God's word has always made all the difference. So he declared it and it was so. And so he gives you life. And this life does not have an end. There's no period to your life. Did you think about that? We think about how there's an end to life. Yeah, in, in this world, in this, yeah, but we should not view ourselves that way. We are eternal beings. Now baptized into Christ, we have this eternal power 
that exists in us and will be fully realized in Christ Jesus beyond the sleep, the nap of death. Death no longer has mastery over Christ because he burst from that tomb. And there's nothing more powerful than that. And in your baptism, it didn't look that significant. It was ordinary water, ordinary words, so they seemed, an ordinary person who was applying those words and water to you, and yet an extraordinary God was working in and through it all to declare a new reality. You connected with him. So rest assured, my friends, that of all the things that you get to search for, you could search for types of connection, but the connection between you and your Savior, Jesus, cannot get any closer. Power over and against sin in your life. Forgiveness that is final to cleanse you from your guilt. An eternal life that supersedes and transcends the sleep of death in this world until the life to come. God grant you and me such perspective in that powerful connection through our Savior Jesus. 